It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by Smoky Mountain Organics, Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. Four stores to serve you, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville. Of course, their location in Knoxville, uh, right across from Trader Joe's on Kingston Pike. You can check them out online at their website at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Smoky Mountain Organics features the best brands in CBD products, bath and body care items, organic teas. have the largest selection of plant therapy essential oils in Tennessee, and much, much more. Check them out at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. If you're making an in-store purchase, Mention VolQuest and you'll get 15% off of your total purchase. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Guys, plenty of mailbag questions to get into. We'll get as many as we can in here and answer them the best as we can. We'll start out with Zvol, who wants to know this. Ben McKee mentioned in the Monday night chat that the receiver struggles may be due in large part to bad practice habits uh, or bad habits developed during practice. Could any of the VolQuest staff provide any more context or insight around this comment? and the receiver struggles. Don't mean to be over top in asking this, but do you get a sense that there's a disconnect, disappointment around the program and are from Hypo around to Cody Burns' performance as an assistant to this point? Is there a chance that Burns may not be back next season? Just thought Ben's comment was kind of eye-opening, and I'm curious to understand the situation there more. I, I don't think Josh Hypo has discontent or disappointment with Cody Burns at this point. Um, I think Ben's comment stems from comments that Jason Swain has made on the Swain event, which he coached co-hosts with, with Jason every morning, Jason, a former receiver um, himself, obviously has been to practice and seen some things. And um, I, I think there's some things that, you know, Jason probably feels like that that receiving core could be a little tighter about on the practice field. I personally haven't seen anything to, to, to really comment on any, any more than I, I would, you know, Jason Swain's a former receiver in the sec. Um, so obviously he, he's got great insight to how um, receiver play goes in this league. And, and I think that is where those comments that Ben made in the chat stem from, from him. So um, that's kind of all I know about that deal. Uh, Apple Orange wants to know, in your opinion, why is Harrison Bailey not getting a chance to play? Anybody want to take that one or you want me to take that one? Because he's not consistent enough in practice. I mean, you know, that, that's what it boils down to. Um, you know, and again, uh, you know, Harrison's going to have a choice to make. Does he sit in here and, and, and continue to develop and see what happens? Or does he do like a lot of other kids around the country when they're not playing and, and, and look for the portal? I mean, I think that's going to be the decision he has to make. Um, you know, so I think, you know, barring an injury or two, um, you know, I just don't see him seeing the field the rest of the year unless it's in mop-up duty against South Alabama. So, um, you know, I just think he has to be more consistent in practice. And uh, for two straight staffs, he has not been that. And that's why he's uh, not found the field for, uh, you know, two straight, you know, staffs. And Rob, Josh Heupel saying on Vol Calls Wednesday night um, that Hendon Hooker was moving closer to 100%, had been on the practice field, had maybe not done as much work as he had the previous week, but moving towards playing. Sounds like he's going to be able to go. Austin had, you know, we had that in the two-minute drill earlier this week as well. Um, you know, that, that's that's a big deal for Tennessee because uh, Hooker's, to me, separated himself from everybody 
in large part, I, I think he may be the most competitive of the guys in the group too. I mean, I, and I, I think that, you know, that that's something um, as this offense grows that that is important as well. But I mean, that's a big deal if Tennessee can get Hendon Hooker on the field on, on Saturday in terms of their chances of winning at Missouri or having a chance to win at Missouri. Yeah, I think, and I think that, you know, and this no disrespect to, to Hendon, but I mean, I think that says about as much about Joe Milton as it does him to this point. I just think Hooker's been more consistent and he's, you know, he, he's obviously dynamic with his feet, but out, you know, he's he's not made many wow plays with his arm. The throw to, to Javante Payton was a really good one. He had the one big miss to Jacob Warren, but he played a turn turn. <clears throat> excuse me, he played a turnover free game against the best defense that he's seen so far, which kind of leads me to believe he's settling in a little bit. And you know, I'm, I'm sure there were some moments on film that that were teaching moments on the on Sunday. But he's not seeing nearly the kind of defense this week that, that he saw in Gainesville. No, not at all. Um, you know, the, now this is a defense that will get after the quarterback if they can get you in third and long. Tennessee's got to avoid that. But the running game should be Hendon Hooker's friend uh, on Saturday in, in Missouri, given what yeah. Missouri has yeah. given he's up. He's not gotten point. a lot of help from his offensive line either. I mean, Tennessee's given up 12 sacks. That's the most in the league by, by a, a, a few. Yeah, and Missouri has 14 sacks on the season. Speaking of that offensive line, East Schaefer, 92, wants to know, when Cooper is healthy, he looks like a very gifted offensive lineman and will continue to get better. Does his lack of size factor into how high his ceiling is as a potential all-SEC prospect? Seems like he holds his own very well for being sometimes much smaller than some defensive linemen he has lined up against. I thought it was interesting, Austin, doing Tennessee uh, Prime on Tuesday night. Um, Cade Mays talked about how freaky of an athlete Darnell Wright is. And Darnell talked about how Cooper's a better athlete than anybody would ever know that he is. Because we were talking about basketball players and Darnell was talking about, you know, his hoop game. And um, I said, you know, who's got the best hoop game, you know, on the offensive line outside of you? And he's like, basically nobody. And um, he said, but Cooper's, Cooper can do some freaky things athletically. Um, and they pointed out a play, Darnell pointed out a play where he basically blocked from his knees um, and, and was able to bounce back up. I do think the question is how physical can Cooper get? And that's something that he's been fighting and dealing with right since he, since he was a Catholic in terms of getting big and, and how, you know, how big can he get? If you got enough guard help around you, how big do you have to get, right? Well, correct. I mean, Cooper's about 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, um, he's right about 300 pounds. Um, you know, when he was in high school, you know, he's sophomore juniors. He basically played at 240 pounds. His senior year, he got up to around 280, um, you know, and then, you know, has since gotten bigger and got up to 300. But, um, you know, he, he is a very good athlete, uh, you know, has really good feet. I, I, in high school, I actually liked him on defense, on the defensive line as much as I did the offensive line. You know, he, he single-handedly kept um, – you know, Catholic in the game against Central in the semis, you know, his senior year before they lost that game to, to the Bobcats. So, um, you know, I, I, I do agree. Cooper's a, a really good athlete and, uh, you know, someone who I think will, you know, he, he already plays with a mean, nasty disposition. He's kind of got that maze toughness. And, you know, part of that's just growing up Cade's younger brother. I mean, you get picked on when you're a kid and, you know, learn to fight back. So, um, you know, I, I think Cooper will be fine. It's just one of those things when you get those ankle injuries, hubs, they just linger especially with the high ones. 
Well, they do, and, and Rob, that's that's a concern for Tennessee because there's clear clearly they're at their best when Cooper Mays is, is one of the five on the field. I mean, that I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just his knowledge of the offense or his toughness or whatever. And I'm I'm not knocking on Jerome Carvin, but I I think it's pretty obvious when watching them that they're the most efficient offensively when Cooper Mays is lined up at center for them. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt, and it hurts Jerome because he's I mean. You know, that's not fair to really criticize him because he's, I mean, he's a guard I and mean, he's played, you know, he, he's cross-trained some, but I mean, center's a much different position. I mean, in, than guard, a lot more to worry about, a lot more responsibilities. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that's on any team, that, that's a, that's a key spot if you're going to lose somebody to injury. Well, and I, and then this up-tempo offense, they ask the center to do everything, you know, in terms of setting the setting it up and, and getting it ready to go that way. So I'm uh, going to be without him this week. We'll see how, how long that ankle takes to, to repair or, or to heal and when he might get back out there. All right, Vols since 1996 wants to know, was Joe really hurt? Is that why Josh Heupel didn't want to play him, or is that an excuse? Is Hendon and Joe splitting any with the number ones? And honestly, I think we need both Hendon and Joe as the season unfolds. This week, also, it feels like Joe got more, has gotten more work than he has the, the last, you know, week or two. Um, I think we, you know, we acknowledged earlier that that Tennessee's best right now is Hendon Hooker, but it sounds like Joe is healthier, and it sounds like he's getting more work. And, and if they can't protect any better up front, they might end up needing multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I, you know, which is why, you know, I think Harrison Bailey has to be ready. You know, I mean. You, you, you could easily lose two guys. I mean, you know, on any given, you know, Saturday, you could lose a guy due to, you know, a breakthrough case and then lose a guy to injury. And all of a sudden you're, you know, rolling out there with Bailey and the transfer walk on from UCF. So, um, you know, the, the injury, you know, with Joe is a bit, you know, befuddling. I mean, they said ankle. He walked around with no boot. Now, a little caveat on that. Cooper didn't have a boot either. The, you know, the, the, the first time around um, has since been in a boot since then. But, um, you know, uh, you know didn't walk around with just flip-flops on, didn't walk with a limp. You and I saw him leaving the complex numerous times, um, but they just kept saying ankle. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like walking around, he's moving around. But, again, I, I do think he's done more um, – Sounds like he's taking some more stuff with the number ones this week. I'm not saying he's taking a lot, but he, it sounds like he's done a, a little bit more with the number one offense this week. Uh, I heart Vols. Our struggles as a program over the last decade plus have been well documented. But what's more frustrating to me is the fact that we as fans go into every season with absolutely no hope of beating uh, Bama, Georgia, or Florida. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the reality that a generation of UT fans has never experienced anything like the Sugar Vols the miracle at South Bend or the 2001 win at the swamp as a uh, two touchdown or three touchdown underdog. And the fact that those types of wins don't need to be, don't, don't appear to be on the horizon. Rob, yeah, you and I've experienced this firsthand, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the reason Tennessee struggles in recruiting. I mean, it's the, the guys in this region, they see who's going to, the, I mean, who's going to the college football playoff, who's playing in Atlanta. And the last time Tennessee – the guy who was the quarterback the last time Tennessee played in Atlanta hosts a radio show in town every day and has three kids. You know, it's it's a generation. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, my my son's sixteen. He hasn't seen him competitive. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know what other else comment to make. But my, my son doesn't know it. I mean, he doesn't my know. Son's Tennessee nineteen and has never seen Tennessee play in, you know, in New Year's Day bowl game. I mean, just so it, it is a generation lost. No, I get. I, when did they play in Tampa last? That was a New Year's Day. Yeah, that yeah. was a couple of years. That was five years ago. But they haven't played in a New Year's Six. Yeah, I mean, that's what in I, a that's... big bowl game in a big bowl game. Um, I you know I don't know when that'll happen, but um, you know uh, <laughs> my son's asked me a couple different times. Tennessee yeah. actually ever beat any of those teams? <laughs> like, yeah, they used to regularly. Music City Bowl sounds good good right now. Yeah, I mean, when I tell my son, remind him they beat Alabama seven years in a row at one point in time. It's like talking about you know Greek mythology. He just can't get it, he just can't get his head around it. It's like talking about the JFK assassination, the grassy knoll, and you know, all that good stuff. Volgrad 05 wants to know what will the kickoff time for Ole Miss be? Need to know for tailgate weekend planning purposes. I'm not sure I can handle another noon kick. Noon. <laughs> I don't know. Until, don't know. until otherwise, it's noon. I think a lot will depend on, you know, what happens this weekend. If Tennessee's a little more attractive as a, you know, with a, with a win. There's not a whole lot that weekend. You know, in theory, you know, if Tennessee were to show well at Missouri, that game, I, I'm telling you, I, I've looked at the schedule. I'm, the, the, I think there's a chance they could end up being 3.30, which tells me, worst-case scenario, it's a 7 o'clock game. I just don't see it being noon. Yeah, I would be surprised if it's noon. But, you know, part of that, too, depends on what Tennessee does this weekend, what Ole Miss does this weekend as well, you know, how attractive is ever is everybody there um, in, in that in that deal. And if it's CBS with three and a half minute commercial breaks, that game will be over at eight 45 um, after a three 30 kick. This uh, is at home. Yes, that's right. The wide receiver web out of Georgia. That's blowing up in recruiting. Does coach Burns like him better? Uh, which is why he has shifted the recruiting to recruiting him over Caden Pope or is Pope listening too much to too much of the negative recruitment too much of the negative recruiting regarding the investigation and is no longer interested? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, you know, I mean, I, I think people have put that bug in his ear, but I, I don't think it's as much that, I, you know, it just, it, 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 it kind of weird recruitment. Like for a kid that literally puts up, you know, PlayStation numbers every week, like it's not like people are beating the door down for him. You know, I mean, it's odd. It's it's very odd. For a guy that productive, it, it is interesting that you know the rest of the SEC hasn't come calling. I mean, Auburn's been the other school you talk about. They just and, fired and their was, and it was at Mississippi State this past weekend. Yeah, um, I, I think Tennessee certainly likes the Web kid a lot and has yep. liked him a lot. Um, do they like him more than Pope? Got yeah, one what one receiver spot at this point feels like. Yeah. Now that may change depending on what your numbers look like. With, with yeah. Again, like the, the the thing you got to keep in mind here is, is like whatever the number is, it can change based off the fact that let's say Tennessee loses two offensive linemen to the portal and the new rule comes into effect, what everybody expects it to, and you can replace up to seven kids that go on a portal at no at no hurt to you, um, then they're gonna go and replace them with two kids in the portal on the offensive line. Like so, yeah. I mean. You know, the number is the number until somebody leaves, and then I think the number changes. Yep. Uh, can't get right 8402. Rob, through the years, it seems like we've had good coaches that just weren't the right fit here. Bob Shoup, 
Dave Clawson come to mind first. Who are some of the others that were really good coaches but just didn't work out here? What's the reason that fit didn't work? Does this happen everywhere? Also, vice versa, can you think of any coaches that have almost been given up on but succeeded here? I, and I don't know about fits that, you know, bad. I think I would, I, I, can, I honestly can't really think of anybody. Ever. I, you know, maybe Tyson Helton. How good of a coach was he? I don't think, you know, is he better than a he guy? Was that, he was hamstrung his one year here. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I don't think yeah. he had any, but I'm not saying he's a, I, I don't think we know, but I don't think he was, he was as bad as, as it looked that one year. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of guys who were almost given up on but succeeded here, I mean, Mike DeBoard's the first name that comes to mind for me. I mean, yeah, that's was, a good one. Everybody laughed at when he was hired because he was managing women's swimming or tennis or whatever sport he was managing at Michigan when when he was you know when he was done. So so that one in terms of a guy who was given up on or washed out or whatever that that seems that that would be one that 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 jumps out to me. Um, at that point, I don't know that Harry Heastan was thought as a really good coach here just because he was grumpy and crotchety about everything in life. But I mean, he, he's gone on and, and did well at Notre Dame after the fact. Um, I'm not saying he was a bad, necessarily a quote, bad fit here, but it just, it didn't work. Uh, a couple other guys that jump out, maybe, I mean, I think Dave Lawson was a good strength coach. I think that was a big mistake by Butch Jones and letting him go in the strength and department. And where is he at right now, Hubbard? ETSU yeah. with yes. Randy Sanders. That's where he's at. But I, I thought he was good. I thought he was good for Butch here. I, I thought that was, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a move that that didn't make a lot of sense. And you know, John Jancic was a, was. I mean, they were a better defensive team under John Jancic than they were Bob Shoup. Um Yes, wasn't even close. Yep, and, and so. Uh, obviously, for other reasons, for for John Jancic, they decided to move on there. But but that would be another one uh, who's a guy that um, just you know decided that from a personality standpoint, Butch felt like he needed to to make a move and, and go elsewhere there. But uh, he he didn't better himself when when he made that change uh, with, with with that departure there. He, he he came back off that field. Since it's two references to Tampa, he came back in off that field at Tampa and had that text from Dave Aranda saying, "Sorry, I'm going to LSU because that Dave Aranda thing was done." Yep, yeah, he and, was coming here, and then he had that text saying, "I'm going to LSU." Well, hold on, what, what, what do you need? Nothing. The wife wants to go to LSU, <laughs> and and now he's at Baylor as a head coach, and that's why yep. Bob Shoup ended up at at Tennessee um, because they threw the kitchen sink at at him at that point, but they were. They were going down the road of Dave Aranda, which obviously he had success with a lot of really good players at LSU. And I think LSU misses Dave Aranda on the defensive side of the ball right now for sure. Um, C.D. Vall wants to know, now that we're four games in, what's the one piece of advice you would give Coach Josh Heupel? Recruit, recruit, and more recruit. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's the bit – that's my big – I mean – you, you got to tighten up your, your your discipline on your penalties. I mean that can't be, that can't continue to be a problem. Um, but the bottom line, Rob, is they need more talent. They need more they need more Jimmys and Joes. But we knew that before you played game one, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, but I wrote this. I want to hear, hear your opinion. I put it in the three, two, one. But um, and I didn't do exhaustive research. But Florida's got like eight or nine guys this year, and it's early. Somebody else may emerge, but they got eight or nine guys that are potential draft picks. 
and three or four of those for the and I'm talking juniors or, or seniors and three or four of those are, are first second round possibilities how many do you think Tennessee has on the whole roster oh I, I mean I don't, I don't know I, I, I don't I mean, think they have 10 right now do you did you get no. a pick and say that's, no. a, that's that guy's an NFL draft pick no that's what you can I mean you know it's hard to sit here and look at a freshman and say he's sure. going to play in the league. You know, do I, do, do I like some of those young guys? Sure. But I mean, you can't sit here and anoint that guy necessarily. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look right at a guy now. like Emmanuel Mosley or Justin Coleman, whoever thought they were going to be what they've been in the NFL. Right. I, mean, I don't think, I don't think any of us would have said that as freshmen or saw, even sophomore, maybe even right. juniors. Coleman so some, when he was a senior. <laughs> some guys may develop there, but no, I mean, you can't sit here and go, okay, that guy's, that guy's a lock. I mean, like, you knew Trey Smith was a lock for the draft, but but, you know, but before before he had the medical stuff. I mean, you you knew that as his freshman year. Like, all right, that guy that guy's an NFL draft pick. Yeah, but those guys yeah. are rare. And, like, and even Lewis, then, like Jamal Lewis, you knew he was an NFL draft pick. So much of it is where do you land? You know, I mean, you know, going to a certain franchise. I mean, Trey, Trey set up to play as long as he wants to play. You know, you're at Kansas City. You got a, a soon to be Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, I mean. You know, I mean, again, it's it's so much of it is where you land. Look at Ramon Foster. Ramon Ramon Foster, really good college player. If he goes to the Browns, does he play for a decade? I don't know. He goes to the Steelers. We're stable. You play for a decade. Yeah, but when you but I think the overall thing that, that Rob the point Rob was making is when you look at Florida, you say. From a talent standpoint, they've got X number of guys. Oh, yeah. Who are going to get close as far as Tennessee. You know, and how many does Tennessee have that right now you look at them and say, that's going to be an NFL draft pick? Regardless of what franchise picks them, who do you look at on this roster right now and say, he's going to get drafted in the draft? He's going to be an you NFL say, draft pick. Cade? Cade? I, would, I would throw Tyler Barron in there. Yeah, Based I mean, you know, I think, I think he could be that. Um but, you know, you start looking down, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to find a bunch of guys where you say, that guy's a definite NFL draft pick, um, which goes back to the point of what you were saying as your advice to Josh Heupel, Austin, recruit, recruit, recruit some more. And they're going to have to hit some on the transfer portal too. I mean, they're going to have to find some help there. They can't make their entire living in that portal as we've talked about. But, but Austin, they're going to need another handful of guys to come <clears> in and try to help them next year and continue to try to move things forward. Yeah, and, and and then when you think about, like, you know, none of that movement's going to happen until December at the earliest. You know, kids are going to start going in the portal when the season ends. And then, you know, Tennessee's got to be really dotting I's and crossing T's when December gets here because you got to close out the class of prep kids. But you also got to be so quick on kids that hit the portal. You know, a lot of times kids are, you know, um, they already have it kind of in mind where they want to go when they hit the portal. I'm not saying there's tampering. I'm just saying, like, you know, they've had a relationship with a coach at a previous stop, and they just go, hey, I'm going to call coach so-and-so when I hit the portal and say, you know, hey, I'd really like to come there now, and if he wants me, I'm done. Yeah. Um, Army clerk recruiting, are they going to recruit any more quarterbacks? What do you think? You, you think that's tra- – you think it's portal? I think that's portal life, right? I don't think there's a high school kid out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I it I would not close the door a hundred percent on high school kids, you know, just because you don't know what it's going to look like. What if Joe if Joe don't play? What if Joe decides I'm I'm going back to Florida, you know? And then Harrison Bailey's like, I'm not played, I'm out of here. 
you know, then because those kids hit the portal, you could bring one in portal guy and then add it with like a more, you know, a, a kind of a developmental high school guy that's not as good as Taven or, you know, something like that. I mean, I'm just saying like there's options, but it yeah. all depends on who, who's still here. Yeah. I, I, just the question is, can they find a, a, a high school quarterback this late in the game that they like? Sure. It would be a guy that has to really develop and, and show up, you know, in his senior year uh, and, and show out there. Uh, Ten Vol 2 wants to know why was Darnell Wright throwing a tennis ball up in the air on Tennessee Prime? I had nervous energy, I guess. I don't know. He was he played with a tennis ball before he got there. He played with it after the show was over. I, it didn't bother me. I was enjoying this conversation. and uh, he, he, he talked more in 45 minutes there than he did in my after I made a four-hour drive up to talk to him in, in, West, in West Virginia, Austin. So um, I don't know why he was doing that, but he was – he fidgeted with it the entire, the entire show for whatever reason. All right, can't get right. 82-84-02. Arkansas beat a top ten team this past Saturday. Something Tennessee hasn't accomplished in fifteen years. What has Arkansas done right that Tennessee's not been able to do? I know that this Arkansas success may not be sustainable for the long term, but to see them achieve the success so fast into Pittman's tenure um, is a slap in the face to all fans for the last decade plus. Is this current staff capable of getting us over that drought? Nobody knows. I mean, I you know, I mean, I'll say this: what's what Arkansas has done is Sam Pittman. Um, you know, listen, every coach has got a little bit of an ego, okay? You know, but Sam Pittman checked the ego at the door, took less money because he wanted to be a head coach, and then said, "Hey, give me more money for my staff." And he went there and hired Barry Odom, Kendall Bryles. He's got really competent coordinators. He's got, you know, position coaches. There's a buy-in with those kids. They all love playing for Sam Pittman, just like the old linemen here, you know, love playing for Sam Pittman. The old linemen at Georgia love playing for Sam Pittman. Um, you know, that whole team loves playing for Sam Pittman. So there's a buy-in, there's an excitement, and there's an energy. But I get it. Arkansas is what Tennessee fans are just, you know, banging their head against the wall for because, you know, why – it, to me, it's how is Tennessee law of averages tell you that you can kind of find a you can kind of catch a heater and find a hot game, you know, and and you know play your best and be in the game. I mean, look how many times Lane found himself in the game in 2009, you know, and then you know Butch was competitive. I mean, Tennessee's not just been competitive against these you know programs for the last four years. It's been pitiful. Quarterback play, Felipe yeah. Franks, Felipe Franks, Rob wasn't great. But they got better quarterback play out of Felipe Franks in a transfer last year than Tennessee got out of anybody on their roster. They hired the right guy, and they got solid quarterback play. Yep. I mean, and, and that's the that's the that's you know a good staff. I mean, a, a head coach who is passionate about being there, who put a good staff together, and got quick quarterback play. That jump starts your rebuild. That jump starts your belief because they found a way to win a couple games because the quarterback made a couple plays for them. Which goes back to what we talked about the last few weeks. That's why you have to take as many quarterbacks as it takes, whatever whatever it takes to get that fixed. Yep. All right, let's run through a couple more here before we get out the door. What's up with the tarp curtains on the sidelines? If they aren't blocking the other team from seeing their signals, which they aren't, then what's the purpose? It's so the upstairs people don't see the signals and try to pick up and, and figure out what they are and steal those signals. There have been people in the past – I know people in the past at Tennessee that have stolen some signals based on their binoculars and what they viewed in the press box. So that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to prevent uh, the other team's upstairs eyeballs from seeing the signals 
to figure out who's the dummy signaler, who's the real signaler, you know, who's signaling what, and can they pick up on um, an indicator to know what some of those signals are. So that's why they do that. All right, Rob, rank these from most likely to least likely. Car gets Carson Wallace, Julian Phillips, Dylan Mitchell, Chandler Jackson, and is it – what's Ernest's last name? Uday. Uday. All right, uh, roll. I'll go Wallace and Phillips at the top of the list because, I mean, they're, they're the two there that have been here on official visits in the last few weeks. Um, Chandler Jackson just got offered. I don't, I don't really have a lot of intel on that, that recruitment right now. Um, Uday is all over the place and, you know, Tennessee's in there swinging with, with Dylan Mitchell. I would, I would put him, you know, since he's the other kid that has been in here for an official visit, I would default put him third, but I mean, AP is better at like putting percentages on recruitments than, than anybody. They're getting them all, Brent. They're getting them all. <laughs> Are you 50 cent gifting all of them? Is that what you're saying there, AP? No, I'm not 50 cent. <laughs> They're not getting any of them. They're not getting any of them. All right. Uh, at Mum Powder, Power wants to know if Carvin goes down, who plays center and how tough would that make things? AP, AP or you might play center. Parker yes, Ball, baby. Give me Parker Ball. I mean, I mean, I don't Jackson Lampley, Parker Ball. Who else is there to move in there? I mean, I guess Ollie Ollie Lane, Lane would go Ollie to Lane. would be where they would go. Honestly, I mean. Cade could play it in a, in, in, in a heartbeat. He played it at Georgia for a game. I mean, that's probably what I would do. It all starts with the center. Yeah, but, I mean, could, I don't know. He's not ripped a bit in this offense at center. I don't know how much he would – I mean, I guess he could make all of the clairs that they have to make. I'm not I'm not sure about that. Um, but talent-wise, yes. All right. Se Cade? No, secondly, I predict Hyatt has a breakout game at Missouri. He's got way too much talent not to have a breakout game. You think he's close to busting out AP? Until he does it now. Okay. Um, Bud Wrigley wants to know, Austin, you have mentioned before that uniform numbers are important to these players. I hate the fact that players can have the same number on offense and defense doing the double number things. They get there too many players. But when you have guys who play special teams as well, don't you need to make sure there's no conflict? I know, also know that they kill for single-digit numbers, but how can we ensure nothing like the punt return debacle happens again? I, I have an answer there. Take Tavon Flower, Trayvon Flowers out of punt return. Or make him switch back to 25 or whatever number he wore before he wore one. Yeah, but if Theo Jackson's your punt-safe guy, let him be your punt-safe guy, then Bayless Jones fields every other punt. I mean, if, if it's got punt return on it, don't you want Bayless Jones fielding the ball? And if it's punt-safe, just tell Theo Jackson to go back there and catch it. Then, then your situation resolved. That that that's a that's a sideline error that should not happen. That that is again. There's 42 guys over there wearing orange polos. Somebody's got somebody's got to prevent that from happening. But there's also three that are wearing blue, red, and green. <laughs> I understand that, but I, I mean, I'm not a double numbers fan because from a spotter standpoint, it's it's dang near. And on special teams, it drives you crazy. Because is it Danico Slaughter? Is it Javante Payton? Is it Bayless Jones? Is it Trayvon Flowers? Unless they outlaw it. Kids are going to continue to do it because, you know, you got one guy on defense that wants to wear number three and some recruit that is on the offense that wants number three and, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not going to go away anytime soon. That's for sure. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast here at VolQuest.com presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Plenty of coverage coming up at VolQuest throughout the day today. Rob's got the matchup piece today. Rob, Vol's getting an edge in anything? Yeah, I mean, Missouri's defense is 
is trash. Yeah, I mean, they've not been very good against the run. That's for sure. So, and, and it's not, and, and it's not like they played a powerhouse schedule either. I mean, they played Kentucky, Boston College, Southeast Missouri State, and um, oh, who's the other direction? Central school? Michigan. The Central What's the fearless Michigan. prediction this week? You got the balls. I can't spoil it. Can't spoil the fearless prediction, and will not spoil it. That spoil. He's it. picking that, the balls. That's everybody. coming up later today. We'll have Josh Heupel's uh, video uh, from press conference coming up later today as well. A little recruiting news. Full coverage on uh, Friday with the War Room and our predictions and ten things I think I think, and uh, maybe a little more golf coverage coming up over the weekend. And, and the year and, and the year and the year to date recap on game balls. We'll see how that goes coming up throughout the day today. And then obviously we'll have full coverage of Tennessee and Missouri coming up on Saturday. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VaultQuest.